episode 40 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Hello, Princess. Oh. Let's get into that later. Before we get into that, tonight we're going to discuss all of the comic book slash comic book movie news that hit us since we last convened it was around if, this microphone. It was as if there was, like, uh, Comic-Con week or something with all the news that we were bombarded with this this week. I don't know what it was. There was something in the, in the air. Something in the nerd air. Yeah. The listeners will be excited because I don't know anything that you guys are talking about. I've been out of nerddom, so join me as we <laughs> venture into... All the new news. Well, don't worry, I did my due diligence over the last week and did show prep. What? I'm ready to go, ready to make this happen. But before we make this happen, housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. You know, I had a dream that one day little Marvel comic book readers and little DC comic book readers would come together and they would go to... McSauce.com together and view the, the strips. They'd go and check out the reviews. They would listen to the podcast together on Wednesday. It would be unity between all the uh, the two factions. Not all of them. Not Image <laughs> and Dark Horse. We don't count them in this dream that I have. But I did have that dream. And maybe, maybe that day is, is this Wednesday when you can check out the McSauce Podcast, go to the Facebook page. Leave us some feedback. We lo- we always like that. Go to iTunes. Go to Podomatic. Stream us on Stitcher Radio. When you're on iTunes, rate us, review us. It helps with how our uh, how we're looked at in iTunes, how, how they respect us. Our respect level goes up every time that you rate us. So, what is our respect level currently at? Currently, it's at a two. I would think we get no respect. One being the highest. Yes. No. Thank, thank you, listeners. Come on. I guess it worked out that the most recent comic strip on the site, Justice League Dark, came out uh, Friday of last week because I really didn't have that planned for today. Which is Martin Luther King Day, a day where a lot of people get to stay home. Yeah, why didn't we have off work today? I don't know. You would think that (laughs) at least I would get half a day off or something like that, (laughs) but I did not. It's It's a federal holiday and a bank holiday. Why do bankers, like what? what makes that day more special to a banker, a rich white asshole? Than, than somebody like us. The common man? Yeah. The common man that works in the trenches. A poor white asshole. Hey! Or a poor black asshole. It's like... Mocha. Mocha, sorry. The proper term is African. Yes. Is that the, the no, preferred it's nomenclature? That's what they like. We do like that. It's enjoyable. Though I wish you were... Africanese? Africanese. Mm-hmm. Japanese? Chinese? You got a preference there with... Your... I prefer Japanese. Japanese? Any particular reason? They're a little less hostile in this, this current climate. 
I agree. You so may I'll just spin that into some new news. I, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I'm going to go straight into the plug <laughs> with no spin. You may have been thinking to yourself, where's that Dom Yossi character? I always like to hear him on the Mixauce podcast. Well, Who he, says that? Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You, you out there may be thinking that. If you are thinking that, good news. You can't hear him here, but he is on Fireside Chat this week with Ryan McCormick and Tiffany Moore of More Than You Can Chew. He is also doing a wrestling podcast with Ryan, so check that out. Uh, go to Fireside Chat and uh, take a look at some of the back round, the, the episodes in their archives. This week they had a roundtable. They discussed things like Shia LaBeouf's retirement. They talked about movie theater etiquette, road rage, and buying beer for underage kids. So if you like any of those things... It was a good episode. I really enjoyed it. I also really enjoyed it. There was a part, my favorite part. Dom was talking about uh, when he was on the BMX tour and <laughs> he was staying up with the adults. He was underage at this point, but he was a little older than some of the kids. And they would. he, he was saying, oh yeah, you know, we would stay up later. And the, the parents would see how I interacted with the kids. And then whenever the, the sun went down... And then Ryan interjected, they let you fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> that killed me. It was me. brilliant. It was brilliant. It was really good. A very real good episode that I think that you enjoy. So uh, Dominic always surprises me. Because I, I feel like he... I feel like I don't know anything about Dominic Yossi. And then all of a sudden, some tidbit comes up like, Yeah, I was on the BMX Pro-Am circuit. <laughs> where did this? Where did this come from? He's really a master of disguise. So that will be ha- that's happening currently this week um, from a fireside chat. If you're wondering what's going to happen with the McSauce crew in the upcoming weeks, we're going to have a X-Men discussion. I know there are a lot of X-Men fans. I think we'll try to cover as many points of the X-Men universe as we possibly can. I'm sure we'll talk about the cartoon, the upcoming movie, the movies in the past, as well as the comic books. Storm's B-list status. I'm sure that will enrage some people. Might be some Dukes next week. Are we going to have a special guest, or should we keep that under under wraps? I believe we'll be welcoming Darcy Mahaffey back to the podcast as our special X-Men guest. Our X-Men expert? Maybe. So keep an eye out for that next week. Any of you that like X-Men... Wait, she thinks Storm is a is A-list. an A-lister, not an expert. <laughs> Here we that go, is little depressed Matt that said that, not anybody else. So that'll be happening next week. But this week we're going to cover some of the news that we have... Uh, that came out that I have no clue what we're uh, going to talk about. So, surprise me. Matt, is there a particular place you'd like to start? Uh, at the beginning, I would like to start there. At the beginning? Yes. Was there Star Wars news this week? Uh, there's a little bit. Uh, we have a completed script. Script is done. Uh, moments ago, the news that Carrie Fisher said she expects... Um, herself 
Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill to begin work on episode 7 in uh, March or April. And um, it looks like J.J. Abrams said that there's going to be some casting announcements coming up soon. Whatever soon is, that's a relative term. Uh, but given that we are less than two years away from this movie, uh, soon should probably be like in the next five minutes. And that's a December 2015 release. Yes. Uh, what is not a 2015 release anymore is a small little feature called Superman Batman. Little indie title. Little indie title, low budget. Um, or is it Batman versus Superman? Did they, have they decided on which which they're going to go with? Or I think it's should it have just been Man of Steel 2 the entire time? It really, like, if they're going to call it Batman vs. Superman, that really kind of stinks. So, putting uh, Superman on the back burner. Originally, it, uh, the movie had whatever they were going to call it. it. They had a, um, was it a June or a July 2015 release date? But uh, just this past weekend, they announced that they're going to actually move it almost an entire year forwards or yeah forward they're gonna go to 2016 and release it in may of 2016 the first weekend in may which just so happens to be the unwritten rule of marvel kind of owning that weekend ever since i believe the first spider-man movie marvel has released a feature that weekend um and usually it's a pretty big one whether it's spider-man um Iron Man, the Avengers, I mean, they come out with their biggest stuff then, so um, I don't know if this is a game of chicken that, that Warner Brothers is looking to play with, uh, I guess, Disney at this point, but it'll be interesting. Do we know what Marvel movie would be scheduled for 2016 in that slot? The, no, I think that's so far out. I mean, that's two and a half plus years away, right? So, no, it's two and a half years yeah. old. Yeah. So DC is planning on smashing that Doctor Strange solo effort that Marvel's well, going to put out then. Okay, so it's not going to be Avengers 3, because Avengers 2 is coming out the summer before. Um, is that too soon to be Thor 3? It could be. It could be Spider-Man 3, maybe. That'll be two... That'll be Good. two years after The Amazing <clears throat> Spider-Man 2. So Do we know if we're ever going to get... Are we getting another Iron Man movie? Probably not with... I want to say that Iron Man solo movies are probably done. I want to say he's just going to be a an, Avenger char- an Avengers character. I don't know. I mean, that's just kind of my own thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we could... It could be Spider-Man. It could be Thor. Can't... Or, or Guardians or could of the it? Galaxy two. Jeez, it could so be. Far out uh, could it be Age of Apocalypse? Uh, yeah, the you know that's, the, that's pretty soon as well. I would think. Is yeah, it? I think that's pretty close for that. No, because this summer is when Days of Future Past comes out. That's only two years later. They're not filming all this stuff together, though. I understand that. Two years later, though, sounds like a reasonable amount of time to come out with a movie that they've already announced i feel like it's going to be something like ant-man or some something that won't be able to stand up to batman superman well the way i look at it unless marvel believes they can beat dc they will probably just bow out and give them that 
that weekend or you know the, those couple weeks and just not try to compete with it because it might be suicide unless it's something huge unless it really is the infinity gauntlet movie or something along those or lines. blade 4 or blade 4 or ghost rider 3 I know you've been one Ghost Rider 3, Paul. I haven't seen either Ghost Rider movie. I rented... Okay, maybe I ripped uh, from DVD out of the red box Ghost Rider 2. But you know, if you haven't watched it yet. But I haven't watched it, so it's really not that illegal, right? Um, sure. <laughs> I mean, I just have it. It's just sitting there. I've I went to the theaters to see that by myself, and it sucked. At least market. you were by yourself and nobody knows you went until just now. Yeah. See, the the DC moving Batman Superman to 2016, how that's going to affect Marvel's slate, that's not the big story for me. I think we're burying the headline of this is the f- at least the first step of Warner Brothers tripping over their own feet and burying this movie into the sand. They've already introduced way too many characters for one movie. And now it's so big they need to move the date out. I think this is classic Warner Brothers not knowing what they're doing, getting in their own way, fucking up what could have been a really good Man of Steel 2. Just Man of Steel. No Batman. No Wonder Woman. No presumed Doomsday or Martian Manhunter. Just Superman. They had a really good thing Really good foundation that they could have started to build on. But now all of a sudden they're dumping all this shit in one movie. And now they're like, oh fuck, it's too big. Now we can't handle it. Now 2015 is too close. We need to move it back out. This is the first nail in the coffin of DC's proposed movie schedule. Alright, can I interject for a second? You sound exactly like the kind of people on the internet I want to punch in the face. Do you take... You are hating on something that, that... exists only in news reports like nothing has been done except for casting i'm also basing it off of dc's track record with this kind of thing yeah but look at who's involved this time like there were morons that were involved in the green lantern movie as opposed to like jeff johns that i'm not talking about movies that got made i'm talking about potential movies that had a good push and good backing behind them David Gore wrote a Flash script that was on the fast track. It got axed. Joss Whedon wrote a Wonder Woman script that was moving along, and that got axed. There have been good people involved with DC, and they consi- they consistently shit the bed. Right, but the movie that, that you're referencing being this somewhat of a pinnacle, the thing that you want the sequel to, it's all the same people that are in charge that made this great movie that you love in Man of Steel, so... I don't understand why you're not giving them at least some benefit of the doubt here. The last thing that they did pleased you uh, to no end. And yet here you are bitching and moaning that the new one's going to suck. Do you think them moving a year back is a good move? What positive do you take out of that? Convince me why this is good. Well, I don't know. Clearly they're not ready. Clearly there is something that's holding up production. Classic Warner Brothers. A lot of people say don't rush the product. Make sure that it's good and ready to come out rather than rushing something to an arbitrary date that you set for yourself. 
yeah, maybe they shouldn't have set the date so soon, but just because they pushed it back, I don't understand why that means it's going to stink. That's not the only reason. I think well, it has the potential to stink. Everything the has the potential that, to stink. The fact that they're already backstepping over themselves. But it also has the potential to be great. Here we talked about um how much we like the Ben Affleck casting and uh Obviously, I think we're all big fans of the Man of Steel movie, so it's got so many things that, that are already great, in its and favor. we were all on board with that. Right. But with each subsequent news about this movie, we all just kind of go, uh, uh. Yeah, that and is that true. that excitement just dips a little bit more. That it, is true. It does have the feeling of too much on the plate. They they saw that they had a great, a great main course with the plot of, of Man of Steel 1 going into Man of Steel 2, you add a little side of Ben Affleck, Batman. Ooh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> but then they just keep piling stuff on. You don't need that Wonder Woman sauce on there. Back it all off. Too much stuff. I can see Paul's point. Doesn't necessarily mean that this is going to be crappy. But this comes from Ian, who orders a hamburger with meat and a bun. <laughs> keep that Wonder Woman sauce off of my burger. <laughs> Or put it on. I don't. I don't want this to be bad, but I have come from a long, a, a long hard slog with Warner Brothers, constantly fucking shit up. So the fact that now they're like, oh, oh shit, we we made the deadline too too soon. We need to rush back. I'm like, it's classic Warner Brothers. It's a little. It's a little bumbling. It's a little bit bumbling. They might be taking, they might see the, the error of their ways and say, you know what, let's just be careful. Let's back this off. We don't want to mess this up. We've done a lot of things in the past that have been screwed up because of whatever. Let's give this time to breathe. Let's make sure that we do it right. Do you think that that could be the, pro the thought process? I do trust Chris Nolan and Zack Snyder. And they're the main creative forces behind this. But they're not the be-all, end-all at Warner Brothers. You don't there trust Warner... There are about a Warner... thousand people above them that all have their fingers in this mess. And that's what fucks shit up for Warner Brothers all the time. So, the fact that now... Like, I, I would love to go in and say, this is great. They're going to take their time with this now. They're really, they're really going to hone this vision and make it the movie we all wanted. But Warner Brothers has burned me so many times already, I can't... I can't be positive about it. Let's go with the most recent thing that Warner Brothers did with the Man of Steel. When when it was leading into the release of Man of Steel, what were some of the things that made you feel confident that it was going to be a movie that you would love? Zack Snyder, Henry Cavill. Those are all in place. The story. We don't know about the story. It's how gonna... did you know about the story? Just the general outline from you know what came down the pipeline with the trailer show. Okay, fair enough. Were there I like Amy Adams. I like Lawrence Fishburne. But with a movie with Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Lex Luthor, some other whoa, man. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who's going to play Lex Luthor? We don't know yet. And, but we know he's in it? We Okay, we don't know that he's in it. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to be uh, combative here when I say that. But seriously, they've already added a shitload of characters, big time, big characters that need screen time, I think, uh, to be relevant. Given that, maybe Lex Luthor... See, 
Maybe he'll be saved for another movie because I'm starting to get the feeling this really isn't Man of Steel 2. This is a different thing. There could be a Man of Steel 2 later this on. This is Justice League Zero. We don't know what this is. We don't know what the title we're talking. Is it Superman, Batman? Is it Batman versus Superman? Is it Trinity? Is it World's Finest plus Wonder Woman? We don't fucking know. Is it Man of Steel 2? Is it Batman 1? Does does that with Wonder Woman indecision sauce? by the filmmakers make you feel any of that and anxiousness that yes. Paul is kind of no, referencing? No, yeah, I, it does. Because we don't... I'm starting to get the sense that they really don't know what they're making. Um, because it felt... The idea of putting Batman in the Superman movie was fresh and exciting, and it's like, oh my god, I can't believe we're going to see this finally after all these years. And it made sense. But to also feel like you have to introduce a a heavy hitter like Wonder Woman um, at the same time just kind of felt like overkill. She sounded like she would be a better addition in a, a maybe a third movie or her own and then do the Justice League but it feels like we're it could be an overload mixed with the fact that none of us are big on the casting of Wonder Woman yes I get the trepidation but I also think that you're being somewhat unfair by basically you're going in very negatively at this point and based on the previous thing that we got was really good like Give them some benefit of the doubt that they that they will please us. Matt, would you say that Paul's going about this film as if he was ordering a pizza? Do you feel that it's the same kind of general anger and venom that he holds for the pizza delivering folks in uh, the area that he now lives in? Or is it something totally different other than that? I don't think my pessimism is unjustified. I understand where it's coming from, but you you don't seem to be giving them any benefit of the doubt. It's all kind of... It kind of reeks of, like, annoying fanboyism that you find on the internet all the time. Like, what do you want to do to those fanboys? Because fan- I, have, I have viable arguments as to why I feel this way. I'm not just like, oh, that's going to be dumb. That girl's too small. That girl's too too little. Like he didn't say worst here. release date ever. He no, did he have didn't. some things to back it up. I agree that he did, but I, I'm also saying he loved Man of Steel, and all, all the people that made Man of Steel are going to make this. I mean, it's not maybe exactly what you pictured in your head, but I don't understand how it can't be awesome anyway. Yeah, maybe there's some things already that are a little bit worrisome, but. I think the quality of the last movie more than makes up for my kind of uneasiness about some of the decisions at this incredibly early stage. I mean, we don't know what the plot is. Again, we don't really know if this is a Superman movie. They kind of said that at first, and then it was Batman, Superman, and with all the additions, it doesn't sound like a Superman movie. Right, which is part of my trepidation going into this movie, because I loved Man of Steel. I love the foundation that was built around this character, and then they could build out from there. And the way Man of Steel ended, you're like, all right, we have some really good avenues we can go down with this. And then they're like, just throw everything into the pot, we're going crazy! They kind of are like, hey, do you like Batman, kids? Yeah! 
Oh, here's Batman. Do you kids like Wonder Woman? Yeah! Do you kids like The Rock? We had him in the DC offices for a super secret meeting, but we don't know who he's going to be. Would you like The Rock to be Lex Luthor? Yeah! And that's what, that's why I'm a little trepidatious about this movie. Paul, true or false, the scene in Superman with Man of Steel 1 where he's on the, the, the fishing rig and he's holding up and he's saving all the fishermen, did you or did you not masturbate to that scene? Once a day since the movie was released. <laughs> I thought so. Yeah, Man of Steel is great. There's some really good stuff, but the stuff I liked about it was about Superman and was about Clark Kent. And I feel that the with the more news that comes out about this movie, the further we're getting away from the core and the heart of the movie that I liked. Now that <clears throat> it could be totally different, you know. The I mean, the story could still focus on Clark and Superman and him dealing with this crazy guy in a bat suit from Gotham City. And now there's fucking Amazons, and the you know the main focus could still be Clark. We don't know, but the more that gets added to the movie, some stuff has is gonna have to fall to the background, and that's other stuff like Perry White and Lois Lane, the Kents, and clearly the, Lex the Luthor. Kent. So maybe okay, maybe first not of Lex all, Luthor. Perry White was. Yeah, we we liked Lawrence Fishburne. That was cool. He had an earring. He was black. That was unexpected. But, come on. He was, whatever. Take him or leave him. He didn't really add anything to the movie. I mean, Clark Kent wasn't even a reporter in the movie. So, I mean... Which is what we're supposed to get to see in Man of Steel 2. But now he's going to be too busy fighting we, Batman. We don't know that. <laughs> like you said, Batman might have somewhat of a glorified cameo in this movie. It could just be a springboard... To put Batman in a brand new Bat franchise how or a Justice out, League franchise. How bummed out would fans be if Batman has a glorified cameo role? I don't think that Warner Brothers would announce that, put a, put Ben Affleck in the Bat suit, and then just kind of have him hang around. I disagree. I think that that is a very realistic possibility. Really? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. That he's still going to be a cameo? If, if <laughs> this does end up being Man of Steel 2... Yes, I think that that is actually a stronger possibility, a glorified cameo. I mean, yeah, it would be fairly substantial. And I'm not talking about five or even 15 minutes, but maybe like a third of the movie. Um, I honestly would be surprised if he doesn't have the lion's share of the screen time. It's Batman. They love would, Batman. That would stun me. Under any circumstances, if I, Batman was the main, character I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. If it I don't was a fifty-fifty split. I don't. I don't want it to be that way. I think that's doing a disservice to Superman in supposedly his own movie, and especially since we just came off the. I know it's a different <laughs> Batman, but we got a bunch of great Batman movies. We haven't had a lot of good Superman movies in recent years. Agreed. So I, th I think they should go with that. Getting back to Paul's points, the things that he wanted to kind of, that he's afraid are going to get pushed to the kind of the background. Uh, he mentioned Amy Adams as Lois Lane. I don't know if I mentioned this before. I was not a real big fan of Amy Adams as Lois Lane. When they first announced the casting, I was very excited about it and supportive of it. And I thought it was actually really good casting. But then seeing her in action, uh, Again, this is a superficial thing, and if you've listened to the podcast, you know this kind of shit bothers me. 
her hair wasn't the right color. Um, it, she just, honestly, she just kind of felt like Amy Adams to me that was in Superman. She didn't feel like she embodied a Lois Lane style character. What me. does Amy Adams feel like? Because I think, I feel like she has a range. Uh, I'm not really sure that I really agree with it. I did not see American Hustle. I did see The Fighter. And I don't she know. She's a filthy whore in that. She kind of was, but I still. To me, she can't exactly escape the girl next door. It, anytime yeah. that she kind of tries to go outside of those boundaries, I sort of feel like I can see through it. Like she's pretending. Like I don't buy into the character that she's become, trying to become. So, like things like the fighter, not really. When she was in the Muppets. Yeah, I totally bought her character. I mean, but that's what we expected. I knew what you said when you stated that, you know, she was just Amy Adams because she does play sweet. And that's what she's just like in Enchanted. She's the sweet girl next door. I understand that, but I think that she can get away from that. So while I respect your opinion, I disagree. Lois Lane isn't the sweet girl next door. I don't think that she played that in Superman either. I thought she played a... Pretty good, the, hard-nosed reporter. The character that they had her be, yes, but when she was acting those scenes out, I just I wasn't buying into this hard-nosed yeah. reporter type girl. It, it hmm. looked to me like a real sweetie pie trying to go through um, the motions of being this somewhat edgy female uh, character. Do you um, like your females edgy or sweet? I like them sweet. Yeah, I think that you would. Yeah. So, I really hope that I buy a little more into her as Lois Lane, but if she was in it less in the next one, based on the way that she was in the first one, I really wouldn't care. I'm way more interested in seeing Clark Kent at the Daily Bugle, which was only... The where? Oh, at the Daily that Planet. Crossover, y'all. <laughs> Does nice whatever catch. a Superman can. <laughs> because it was just hinted at in the first movie. It was like... Cause it was barely there. Right. At any point watching the movie for the first time, were you guys wondering, like, when the fuck's he going to put on his glasses? I and was. now, in Man of Steel 2, is when we're supposed to get into the Superman that we're all more familiar with. The one that's more used to being a hero. He works at the Daily Planet. You see more interaction with Perry and Lois. You get the classic Superman, but in the Chris Nolan, Zack Snyder vision, that's going to be way better than what we've gotten out of that franchise for a long time. Similar to what The Dark Knight was to Batman Begins, because I think a lot of people were... I think a lot of hardcore comic book fans loved Batman Begins, but I think your more casual fans were a little not super crazy about it because Batman was only in it for half of the movie. Uh, you, you know, where's the Joker? Um, who is Raja Ghoul? Like he's not as well known a villain. All that kind of stuff. Personally, I love it, and I think it's excellent, especially like when he was training and everything. I think that was probably the best part of the movie, even better than when he was Batman, because he didn't have that voice. Swear on me! That's the best part of that movie. How yeah. dare you? <laughs> so, <clears throat> I think that the 
Man of Steel, the first Man of Steel, maybe could have benefited by getting into the more traditional Superman a little quicker, rather than allowing Man of Steel to essentially be Superman Begins. Um, because I think most people, comic book fans, casual fans, would agree that The Dark Knight is probably a little better than Batman Begins. Most. I have a couple friends that like Batman Begins better, but... I would agree with The Dark Knight being better than Batman Begins. But doesn't it hold true to you can go places in the sequels that you can't go when you're setting up the universe? That is true. Maybe that holds true with that? That is true, although I would say on the average, the original tends to be better than the sequel. I can only think of a few examples where that's not the case. Jaws 2. What would those examples be, Matt? Uh, I think Terminator 2 is better than Terminator 1. I th- you, Empire Strikes Back, are you in that camp? You know, lately I've been sort of feeling like A New Hope is better than Empire. I, I've Over the years I've sort of like gone back and forth. All through high school I always thought A New Hope was just a little better. And then as I got a little older and a little more cynical I started going more toward Empire. But in the last year or so, I've kind of shifted back to A New Hope being just a little bit better. I'm a I'm an Empire guy. I'm a Spider-Man 2 guy. I'm, I'm a, two, a Temple of Doom guy. Two Towers guy. Temple of Doom, that's crazy. Fellowship is where it's at. All right. <laughs> X-Men 2. X-Men United. Mm, X-2. X-2. Why, why did they in... take men out? Because there's women in it. But they're called the X-Men. I don't know. I'm a Superman 1 guy over Superman 2. I think there's the wackiness towards the end takes me out of the Superman 2 Did movie. you see the Richard Donner cut of I, Superman I 2? I have. I have. It's a lot less silly. It is. it is. But there's still, it's got that little... Silver Age. No love for Superman 3? No love. Richard Pryor, the movie? Is the third movie in a series ever the best? Never. Think of it for a minute. I, I can't think of one example where it was. Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines. Hmm. Not so much. Matrix Revolutions. I really want to make a case for Back to the Future 3. <laughs> Ooh, that might be the only one that could... That no. Even had, that, that's even in the conversation. It's not. It isn't. Not it even isn't. in the conversation. It, it's in the conversation more than... You have embarrassed yourself. No, no, I haven't. More than Spider-Man 3, more than the X-Men The Last Stand. I think what the movie that could be in the conversation is Last Crusade. Yes. It's... I, th- I think most people go one, three, two for Indiana Jones, discounting Crystal Skull. I agree. I I'll, or sometimes you'll hear three, one, two, mm. but usually yeah. a it's lot of people one, do three, like two. the third movie. I'm trying to think. But of Paul, I'm right there with you. Temple of Doom, it really is the best. I think I, I think I attach some sentimental value to it because I saw that one the most as a kid. They but played it still on going HBO back and watching both of them. That's the one I get the most enjoyment out of. Same here. Exactly. I have the exact same opinion. I can't think of any... Any other third movies? Third movies. Mm. Off the top of my head. Dark Knight uh, Rises wasn't as good wasn't as, as Dark good. Knight. Nor was Batman <clears throat> Forever in Thanks. that. What else? Is there anything else? Return of the King. 
the Academy thought that was the best of the three, but um, I think it was clearly the worst. Halloween 3, they didn't even bring Michael Myers back Night for that Night on Elm Street 3, the Dream Warriors. I 4 was Dream Warriors. What was 3 then? I don't know. The New Nightmare? No, that was like 6. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, is that the one that has like Matthew McConaughey in it or something? No, no that was right. the next three, generation. 3 is Dream Warriors, and that could get some that could get some push for best of the series. Army of Darkness? I don't think it's as good as... Does that not count because it's so far? I don't think you can count that as a traditional trilogy that would be in this argument. I agree with that, and even if we did, I don't think it's as good as one or two. Okay. Um, I mean, Return of the Jedi is so fucking good, but yet it's not even close. Like, you can't say, oh, it's better. And that special edition drops it right to number three. And you could say, when you were a kid, yeah, it's the best of the three. Because when I was a kid, it was my favorite one. Yeah, man, there was a long time when I... It, in retrospect, was probably only, like, two years of my life. But it, but it felt, felt like, like it was so long. Yeah. I, I still may... I think I still go Empire Jedi, A New Hope. Wow. Because there's some seriously good shit in Jedi that I didn't really get out of A New Hope. A New Hope is is a much more shallow experience. It's a much more simplistic storyline. But how fun it is exactly. kind of trumps and some of the, the stuff in Jedi that doesn't that might not sit well with you it, or me. It's or just it. such a fun fairy tale done in a futuristic style setting. What we're you know what we're really arguing here is what's better, hand jobs, blow jobs, or titty fucks. They're all great. All three of them are great. <laughs> and with that, we're going to break and we're going to get some subs. We had a delicious round of subs from Domino's. I think Domino's should just stop making pizza and just turn to the sub business because those are the best fucking things I've had in that place ever. Ian, what kind of subs do you like? Uh, Say sausage. We had the sausage and Mm -hmm. Italian. Me and Matt split it. And I liked the sausage. Yeah, it was good. I had my hands on his sub. Get his hands on my sausage. It was sexy. But the sausage, highly, I would highly recommend the sausage. Matt? Agreed? You agree with the sausage? Yeah. Yeah, that's where you guys came, both? Sausage was your Um, favorite so far? Italian was really good, but the sausage 
jumps over the chicken habanero that I had a little, a half of last time. And, and it jumps over the Italian, which was quality. Not quite as good as the sausage. Do you know what makes the Italian, what takes the Italian from Raiders of the Lost Ark to Temple of Doom? The lack of mayonnaise. 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 Put some mayonnaise on that guy, and it's outstanding. I would disagree with that, but... That's because you don't like extra shit. You yeah. don't like Wonder Woman sauce. Correct. So, we're going to get into some comic book talk. A lot of... A lot of DC comic book news came out last week, uh, including a couple th- a couple points that I'm not all that sure need to be happening. Starting with the Aquaman second book. Aquaman has been derided as a hero for a long time, but then Jeff Johns and uh, Ivan Reyes relaunched the book with a new 52. It's been super successful. Um, Jeff Parker, I believe, is writing it now with uh, Paul Pelletier on on pencils, and it's been great. Uh, but now they're talking about having a second one, second Aquaman series that's going to be Aquaman and the others. Have either of you two read Aquaman since the new Fifty Two started? Yes. And what did you think? <clears throat> I read about uh, eight issues of it, and I liked it quite a bit, but I think I was reading an awful lot at the time, so I just kind of quit getting it because I was so into the new 52 when it launched, and there were so many things that I wanted to continue to get, and that one just didn't quite make the cut for me. Mm-hmm. And I also got <clears throat> Aquaman. I didn't enjoy it as much as everybody else did. I got it all the way up to the storyline which features his um, his band of heroes, the others. It was okay. There were, as Matt stated, just other things that I would prefer to get. I'm not a big Aquaman fan, so it was good. But in a pinch, whenever I'm trying to maximize my dollar, I, I had to drop Aqua, Aquaman. Yeah, I wasn't... Um... I wasn't really feeling the others. I felt like it was... I felt like they were kind of forced. Like, it was an enjoyable story. But if I was if I was going to make a second Aquaman series, I don't think I'd have used those characters. But if I was in charge of DC, I wouldn't make a second Aquaman series, period. I was going to say, aren't they kind of taking a good thing that they have, revitalizing a character... That a lot of people disrespected for years and years and years. The guy who only talks to fish. All that silliness. People enjoy the character now. He's found some respect. And now they're going to water the property down a little bit. That's He's not Batman. Not everybody can be Batman. He's not even Green Lantern. He's not even the Flash. But I think he is Cyborg. But he's white. Right. He's the white cyborg. Would you buy? Would you buy a cyborg series? I would not. Matt, no, I wouldn't either. I, uh, I'm on the fence about Aquaman and the others. I kind of want to. I, I kind of want to not get it to send DC a message like, "Look, you're spreading your luck way too thin. You have a real good thing going with Aquaman. Don't fuck it up." Don't give him another title because you're just setting yourselves up for failure. Is he doing that well? Is that book doing 
the kind of numbers that would generate a second book? I I don't know what the numbers are. I can't imagine that it's doing that well, but there must be some kind of outcry that DC thinks it's a good idea to make a second a second book about that character. Now, the, I guess the way they're going to do it with this other team, it's I guess it'll be like the Justice League to Superman. So Aquaman's going to go out with the others, and each of them has a certain Atlantean artifact that gives them particular powers. And they're going to go out and try to find other Atlantean artifacts before they fall into the wrong hands. Now, there is something about this book that I think will make Matt want to buy it. Matt, Dan Jurgens will be writing this book. I know that you like him. I do, but I'm not going to buy it. Uh, I Are you a bigger it. fan of Dan Jurgens' art than yeah. his writing? Yeah, yeah I'm kind of semi-indifferent on his art. His art, his, um, or uh, on his writing. His writing is very much a throwback to the 90s when we got into comics, you and I, Ian. Uh, and I like that throwback. I like kind of being nostalgic, but it's not, it doesn't light my world on fire, though. So, uh, who's going to be drawing it? Lan Medina? Lan Medina. And ink by Ed Tadeo. Yeah, I figure if I'm not getting uh, Aquaman proper, I really don't have any interest in a spin-off book, really, or, you know, a side thing. Uh, unless it turns out that this is the greatest thing ever, you know, after several months, then maybe I'll be intrigued by the hype and then check out some back issues. But uh, until then, I will respectfully decline. I'm probably going to be a sucker and go ahead <laughs> and get this one at when it gets released, so I'll let you know. Thanks. I'll let you know how bad it is when it gets going. Land, if, when you look up Land Medina's art, it looks really solid, but I'm sure the stuff that you Google images, like cream of the crop, I'm sure you're not going to get his you know, middle of a run you know, dialogue pages. What was he on before this? I have no idea, but he does draw a good bit of nudity. We like that here at the McSauce Podcast. I don't expect hey, that... to see that in the others. But we do like that here on the McSauce Podcast. Is that what? Um, the, uh, the, the artist Guillaume March. Right? Guillaume March is, is known for drawing filth. Uh, super filthy filth. Looks like Landina li- was on um, New Mutants. He's got a Dodson's, like Terry Dodson kind of look to his work a little bit, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look bad. A lot better than I was expecting. But these are just like some splash splash page poster style artwork that I'm looking at right now. And the way DC runs their ship these days, he will do one full issue by himself. And then the rest of the run he'll split with someone else. I've got five books uh, in my poll list last week. Four of them were DC books. One was Nova. And Nova was the only book that had one artist all the way through. Everyone else had a couple pages here, a couple pages there, some other guy. Even Superman and Wonder Woman, which has been big build as Charles Soule and uh, Tony Daniel, was split 50-50. Some other cat did the second half of the book. Which is super disappointing because Tony Tony Daniels been hooking that book up. If you want a good looking book, get Superman Wonder Woman. 
but not issue four because only half of it's all that great. Yeah, what, ten pages or some horse shit? Yeah. I thumbed yeah. through it and I didn't buy it because of that. I said, no way. I'm not buying this. I'd rather a book be late. You be be a month late than do the half and half, you know, split. That that takes you right out of the story. The most famous half and half split that I ever remember, and this is only famous to me, was the uh, Spider-Man number 19 and 18. Uh, it was the Revenge of the Sinister Six by Eric Larson. What had happened was Eric Larson's house burned down. And he lost pages and obviously time. So they had to essentially do half of his story in number 18 and then fill the rest in with like a back or a uh, backup. And then they did the second half of the, um, what would have been the, the latter part of issue 18 in issue 19. And then again, a backup until he got back on track. Who's the artist that? An issue. Who's the artist that split that with him? I don't remember. Totally forgettable. I yeah. don't know. I remember the those issues, but I don't remember and who. If split I'm not that mistaken, if you buy the comic book, I think it even explains what happened. Like, you know, our beloved Eric Larson, artist Eric Larson's house was, you know, tragically burned to the ground and um it was, uh, yeah, I guess he, like, I mean, his house was destroyed. Like, he yeah. lost childhood drawings and uh. photos and things. Um, See, that seems like a fairly good reason for having to get a, yeah. a film artist. But, but the incredible thing The DC is, artists of today aren't losing their houses at a monthly rate. Correct. And what's amazing is back then, in 1992 or whatever it was, he... He didn't miss an issue. Yeah, he didn't do as many pages, but he still... Yeah. It's like, that guy's house burned down and he didn't miss an issue. Wow. I wish I knew what the reasoning was behind all of the fill-in artists. <laughs> if it's... If, uh, I, I don't know. Well, I think more detail goes into the art these days. Plus, I think that the timelines are faster now with the digital age. Like, think about how comic books have to be made even faster... Or at least started sooner because of, like, guided view technology. I'm sure they can't do that during a lunch break. I'm sure that that takes substantial time. Just yeah. the way maybe coloring is going to take time. Okay, maybe not that long. But um, I think that coloring takes longer now. I think that the artists tend to have more detail in their artwork. Unless you're not drawing backgrounds like Rob Liefeld or something. But... I think more care and effort goes into creating the artwork, and that's why these guys, 30 days just isn't enough to, to put into it. Um, do I think that maybe they should eliminate some of those details and just kind of move and go faster? Yeah, I do. I don't mind... So you would like a less, a less pretty book? Not a less pretty, a less detailed, a less maybe over-finessed book. Um, you know, guys like Brian Hitch, super detailed art, but yet he comes out with one book a year. That is not okay to me. Yeah. Draw worse, because you need to come out with shit more often than you do. It's not that important. Or, if you are going to have that art style, um, do do miniseries, you know, do, do your six issues. Have five of them in the can when you you know come out with the first one so that way all you gotta do is one issue in five months or whatever it is 
and uh, just just like let that be your schedule as opposed to trying to do a monthly book with your slow ass like that's it just doesn't work for me Brian Hitch is the biggest offender to deadline missing that I have ever experienced in my comic book buying life he has had delays I think he had back to back year long delays like he came out within two years he came out with two issues of the ultimates or something like that Back in like 2004, 2005. What about Kevin Smith? That That's a writing issue. Ah. Um, I guess I should preface that with an art-centric issue. Kevin Smith, I don't know what the deal is with that. Uh, why, he, why he didn't get those issues out. I mean, he just completely stopped for three years. Yeah. What about Jim Lee on All-Star Batman? That was and also a That's writing a writing issue, issue Was that as Frank well. Miller's fault? Yeah. Yeah. He almost just, he just quit, didn't uh-huh. he? And also, um, Damon Lindelof and Ultimate Wolverine versus Ultimate Hulk. Right. There was like a five-year gap in there. Francis Yu did the art. Mm -hmm. And there's a gigantic gap in between issue like two and... And I don't even know. Did they ever come out with issue three? Did it happen? I I don't know. know. But that was, for a while, that was a famous delay. What a travesty. I mean, just Marvel. Put somebody else on it and finish it. You know, that, that's such an insult to the people that bought those issues. Yeah. So you say, well, you know, with you know digital and got to view, <coughs> timelines are quicker for artists. Greg Capullo doesn't seem to have a hard time getting mostly oversized issues of Batman's out. And every time. A healthy Twitter addiction. <sighs> Jesus, that dude needs to chill out. And his Batman issues are super detailed. And there's some guys I like, like Bernard Chang on... Green Lantern Corps, way more stylized, not as you know hyper detailed as Greg Capullo, and all of a sudden I only get him for half a book. That's half the reason I'm getting this book. Even staying in the Chang realm, Cliff Chang does similar stuff where he'll have a fill-in artist that's pretty close to what he does. He, he's not the most detailed, but person it's not the Earth. same. For as much as I've liked Tony Akins on Wonder Woman, yeah, I don't it's like not to- Cliff Chang. I don't like Tony Akins at all, and it, and a lot of people probably don't really realize that it's different artists on on those books. If you're a comic book novice. (laughs) Here's looking at you, Dom Yossi. I'm just... Boom roasted. I know, I'm just teasing. You're not teasing. There was venom in there, sir. No, there wasn't. I love Francis Manipool, is he he pretty quick? (coughs) Does he come out? Does he miss issues? No. Him, he would do... uh, He did the pencils and gray tones... And then Brian Bucciolato would put the colors over top of it, and they didn't miss they didn't miss an issue. When they did an issue, they did the entire issue for pretty much the whole run, right up until the end when they started to taper off. And then they had a couple fill-ins that were completely done by another artist. Mm-hmm. So I don't expect a whole lot of um, art issues when his Detective Comics comes out. Mm-hmm. So. Staying on the subject of books that may or may not be necessary. Sinestro ongoing? That's a little more solid of an idea than Aquaman and Friends. I'd probably get Sinestro. If if I was getting Green Lantern or any of those books, I'd be interested in Sinestro. I'm not. Are either of you familiar with the writing of Cullen Bunn? I know Cinnabon, but Cullen Bun, no. 
I don't know anything but Cullen Bunn. He wrote something called The Sixth Gun. Um, I've heard of that. The Magneto miniseries. I've heard of Magneto. Um, he has quite the bald head. Yeah, I don't know anything about um, Cullen Bunn and what he's done, but the, the interview with him about the Sinestro ongoing sounds... It sounds like he's going to pull a lot from Jeff Johns' run, and he's going he's gonna to kind of do the Brian Wood on the Star Wars book thing where he's taken from this batch of source material and he's going to naturally flow it out from there. But I thought that's what the current writers on the other Green Lantern books were going to do, and they're kind of fucking everything up. Yeah. But I think the Sin- Sinestro ongoing... Sinestro, for those of you out there that don't know, is... Green Lantern's Lex Luthor. And for those of you who don't know who Lex Luthor is, it's like the X-Men's Magneto. There you go. But for Superman. So, but Sinestro's a... Sinestro's clearly a bad guy, but he has... He's a little more relatable. I think you can understand why Sinestro's doing the things that he's doing. More than more than Lex, I think. Well, Sinestro wants order. And he sees that the way to have peace is through fear. one man's vision and, and holding everybody in line with fear. It, it, kind of like uh, Hitler, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whenever, uh, whenever he was reintroduced in Green Lantern Rebirth, that was... Did you like, say Sinestro is more relatable? <laughs> is that what you said? And yet we just compare him to Hitler? Well, he's, he's got... As, the, as that run went along... He got a little softer, and you got to learn more about his backstory, and he lost, I think it was his, his wife at the time, he lost her, and he has a daughter that doesn't know that he's he's her father. And How they, did he lose his wife? Um, you really put me on the spot with that. I remember the panels of how she died, but I can't remember exactly. I think there was a bomb threat on Korrigar and he didn't he had to do something else with the Green Lanterns and he didn't get there in time oh. When I, why I mentioned Hitler is because when they brought him back and they had his one shot that was kind of reintroducing him and the bringing, Dolan's mom? Uh, the Sinestro this is before oh. the new 52 they kind of gave him like a Hitler-esque yeah, haircut yeah, a little <laughs> bit the Sinestro ongoing following the, the Yellow Lanterns makes a lot more sense to me than the Red Lanterns because the Yellow Lanterns always had a lot more depth. They seemed to have more going on for them. Mm-hmm. Whereas the basis of what the Red Lanterns were all about was just blind rage. You get a red ring and it takes over your body, purges out all your blood, and now you're just fueled by this red ring and you can't think straight, you can't talk. You just murderous rage to take care of whatever injustice you previously perceived. But... The, but Sinestro and the Sinestro Corps seem to fall in line with Sinestro. They didn't lose their minds. They followed him as a leader, believing that, all right, if we're going to do things our way, we're going to do it through fear, and this is how this is how it's done. The Green Lanterns have fucked things up in the universe for so long. We're going to take over now, and we're going to do things our way. We have a comparable power source. Now we can do things the way Sinestro wants. And a bunch of supporting... Sinestro Corps members had a lot a lot more going on, even though they were all painted as super creepy and super evil. 
But the, the motivations between, like, Mongol and Arkillo when they got yellow rings and how they each reacted to Sinestro kind of being a, a dictator. Not everyone wanted to follow him. A lot of other lanterns fell in line. It seems like they could have more avenues of story to explore with the Sinestro series than just blind rage Red Lanterns. And I am shocked that Red Lanterns isn't canceled yet. It's still going? Still going. Jeez, oh man. Because Guy Gardner, former Green Lantern, has been placed undercover with the Red Lanterns. That's stupid. It's kind of dumb. I was just going to say, that's kind of cool. <laughs> of course, you were. Well, the... Yeah, the the idea is kind of cool, but the executions. Ah, okay. All right. Executions not getting it done. Yeah, I mean, feel free to go get it. No, I won't. Um, it's kind of cool, but not that cool. I don't know anything about Cullen Bunn. Uh, Dale Eaglesham is going to do the art. Ah. Uh, and he did the bulk of the art on Jeff Johns' Justice Society of America run. And Eaglesham's a pretty solid artist. I like his work, so I don't really see any reason why I wouldn't buy. A Sinestro book. Other than when Jeff Jones finished his run, he kind of sent Sinestro off into the sunset. And we probably don't ever need to hear from him again. He had such a perfect ending to that story. But, you know, if you're bringing Sinestro back in some capacity, I'd like to I'd like to check it out. That's part of my, you know, core group of books. It would be something that I would consider. Um, right now, I feel like I, I'm at max capacity but i always liked the character of sinestro so and and that creative team sounds interesting i'm looking at eagle sham's work right now not super familiar but from what i'm looking at looks pretty good so that would be something i think i'd i think i would give it a shot um so yeah so sticking with comic book news dc has finally announced they're bringing wally west to the new 52. Ah, the flash that took over after Bar- Barry Allen sacrificed his life in uh, the crisis. And he's the he's the flash I think most people are, are familiar with because he was the flash through the entire Justice League cartoon. Uh, he was the flash in all of comic books from the late 80s up until what 2007. When Flash Rebirth came yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. So he had a good couple decades uh, under him, and he he took off, and people loved Wally West. And when they relaunched the new 52, they cut him out. They just pretended he didn't exist. And the biggest question at cons that the DC panels would get was, when are you bringing back Wally West? When's Wally West coming back? And I like Wally. He was an enjoyable character. Michael Rosenbaum hooked him up as his voice on the show. I read... I have a healthy run of uh, of Flash when it was Wally West. What do you think... Have they announced how they're going to do it? What they're going to do? Are they going to explain where he was? Did he exist? Is this going to be like they're bringing him from another dimension? It's going to... From what I've read, it's going to be brand new... Brand new Wally West. It's and um, I think Brett Booth was was the the uh, interview I read, and he said Wally's he's gonna be the Wally you know, but he's gonna be different. So give him a chance. Wow. Which sounds to me like we totally fucked up your favorite hero, but try to give try to hang with us. 
What a vote of confidence that is. Well, the one of the the initial promo image they released, he's blue. It's a blue Flash. Flash isn't blue. Flash is red. Yes. And Brett Booth said that is that is Wally West on that image. So I don't know if maybe he's going to be blue to start, and then they're going to change him up to red. But I, depending on how they how they bring him back and what they how they write him into the story, I'd almost just rather leave him dead. <laughs> There's a lot of that going around. You know, I, I feel like it's almost like Han Solo in the prequels. You know, they didn't the prequels, in my opinion, ruined a lot of characters going in, 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 into the, in the original trilogy. Except Han Solo, because he wasn't in the prequels. And that's how I kind of feel about Wally West. There's a lot of shit that DC did wrong in, in the new 52. A lot of right, but also a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. And I think if they just... They can keep Wally's memory intact if they don't bring him back. Can, we, can I go off on a Star Wars tangent? Do it. You mentioned that the prequels kind of ruined uh, some of the classic trilogy characters. Um, I, feel, I, I feel your your anger and your hatred. I would agree with you, particularly... Actually, the only one I can really think of is uh, Boba Fett. Like, I, I'm not sure that I'd really dig the origin of Boba Fett. Get him, Dad! So, right. So... The rumor is the first Star Wars spin-off movie is going to be a Boba Fett movie and it's going to be a character that kills the clone Boba Fett and dons the armor and becomes this mysterious killer that's wearing the armor so that way you get back to the original Boba Fett from The Empire Strikes Back with that original voice. Supposedly Lawrence Kasdan has written it and it, this is going to happen. Does that seem convoluted to you? Convoluted, yes, but I like it. Convoluted? No, not really. Um, okay. Do I, do I think it's really going to happen? I kind of do, actually. I feel like most people are on board with that. I think... I mean, I'm all for going back to that sweet, kind of creepy voice that he had. You know, that was really kind of... Intimidating versus the Aussie accent. Versus Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. I like not knowing what Boba Fett's face looks like. Or you can go back to that original, like, trading card from the early 90s where he was kind of an alien-looking character. That was sort of neat. But Tamora Morrison is Boba Fett? Eh, I don't know. Well, one, that actor can't carry a movie. Two, I hate the Australian accent. I hate the Australian accent on Boba Fett. I, I guess mind it, it for the clones, but I don't like that. I don't like that the the clones are Boba Fett. Yeah, I like I, Boba Fett being Boba Fett, his own man. I like this direction. I really hope it happens. I, really, I don't want to see a Boba Fett movie. I I, I really? just don't. Nope. You're a huge Star Wars fan. Why would you? I'm, not a, I'm a. I I was formerly a pretty big Boba Fett guy. I got a. Boba Fett snowflake Christmas ornament for Christmas this past year that I love. But I don't know, man. I just I just don't feel like I need to see any more. He was cool as a complimentary character. That's kind of what made him cool, was that he was sort of in the background, and you didn't get a ton of 
screen time, then he was mysterious, and you lose all of that by putting him in his own feature film. I, I'm, I don't want to see that. I don't. I, I'm with. I'm with you. I don't want to see that either. But if they're going to correct all the silly Boba Django business from the prequels, I'm willing to give it a try. Yeah. It it will kind of cement, I think, Boba Fett being badass again. Yeah, he kind of went out like a punk bitch in the Sarlacc, but maybe we can bring him back for the for episode seven, eight, or nine. But um, I would like to distance him from the Jango Fett character. Jango Fett was kind of cool, kind of neat, but. Boba Fett was much, much cooler, but he became way less cool the more we learned about him. Once episode two happened. And not only that, but again, we're getting into child actors that I hate. <laughs> Daniel Logan was pretty terrible as young Boba Fett. He was awful. Um, you know, like, what, what was it? Ton Wee goes to his room and says, Boba, is your dad here? He's like, yep. Like, that was his acting. That was his acting chops. Yep. Quite a bit. And... <laughs> and I've actually heard this this kid, Daniel Logan, in interviews since this movie. Okay, so that was episode 2, 2002. Uh-huh. Fast forward 12 years later, that kid is in his early 20s now. Boy, is he fucking annoying. He is... I, he just irks me. He, he See, this is... This is where you can tell how deep Matt gets into Star Wars shit because I didn't even know his real name. And I haven't seen him since I saw Attack of the Clones. You thought he ceased to exist after that movie. You blocked it. But no, he actually went on to be Boba Fett in the Clone Wars series. He played like a slightly older, uh, you know, Boba Fett from what he was in Episode 2. So his voice has changed, but he has kind of an annoying voice. And not only that... He has an obnoxious personality, um, based on an interview that I saw. Now, I did see him in real life at one of the conventions that I went to. Again, another step further down the Star Wars hole. Okay, this kid looks like a total prick. And he this was, is him? That's him. And he was like, that that picture, what you're seeing, and can you please post it on Mixosity? Uh, Dan, Daniel Logan, just... Wiki, just Google search him. His there first picture. There are other pics where he doesn't look like such a douchebag. But that picture represents the personality that he exhibited in the interview that I heard online. Now, what I will say, though, is when I saw him in person at one of the conventions, he actually seemed pretty cool. Like, he was playing with, like, a double-sided lightsaber with a couple other younger Star Wars fans. I was like, that's really cool that he's really interacting with them on that level. But... Um, just kind of kind of an annoying kid. And I, I don't like that being my Boba Fett. And I'll tell you something else. I met the real Boba Fett, Jeremy Bullock, and that's a man's man. That's the real Boba Fett. That's who needs well, maybe not in the you know, next movie, but I don't like it being Daniel Logan. I agree. And he was a man's man. I'm trying to think of an actor who is oh I mean, look at Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp's kind of a prick. But he's really good at what he does. Isn't Johnny Depp put, just weird? I don't Is mean it? to put Daniel Logan on the you know acting prowess of Johnny Depp, but like Johnny Depp's a weird, off-putting cat. 
and but he does he does really good stuff. Maybe Daniel Logan could do a really good Boba Fett if he had an American accent, British accent. Well, Boba Fett, it doesn't matter who is in the costume so much as the voice, right? I mean, it can be two totally separate things. I mean, if there's any movie that has established that that can be two completely different things, it's Star Wars, right? Yeah. Even Darth Maul, a character that you see his lips move, had a different voice actor than the Ray Park. I don't want lots of dialogue from my Boba Fett. I think that that would really mess him up, too, to hear. I don't need his thoughts and motivations. I just want him to be on the job. Yeah, I just him, want him to be hunting down what makes him bounty. Cool. What made him cool is that he comes in, he fucks your day up, and then he dips. So, yeah. You took a bite at a very inopportune time, young Matt. Yeah, I don't I don't like I don't want to see an entire an entire Boba Fett movie. Just like I don't necessarily want them to bring back an entirely different Wally West. You fucked up enough <coughs> characters. Connor Kent, Superboy for years, was a really cool character and the older he got, the the more likable he became as Superboy. But now all of a sudden the current Superboy is Lois and Clark's son from the... He's a clone of Lois and Clark's son from the future. Ooh. Sent back to our time. Are you fucking kidding me, DC? That sounds like an X-Men plot. Is that so, Cable? What? So, like, I have no idea what's in store for Wally West, but you had a... You know, Barry Allen was the Flash. His nephew was Wally West. Barry dies. Wally takes over as being the Flash. It's a very simple story. Just taken over from his mentor... And, you know, Wally carried that mantle for a long time. Who knows where they're going to go with this. But just coming out and saying that, yeah, it's going to be Wally, but he's going to be different. So just give us a try. Don't get off my ass already. When you have to, when you have to give the disclaimer, just give us a try. It doesn't leave me a lot of hope that you really have the character's best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me like you are already having second thoughts about what you did. So I'm really going to have some reservations. So let's switch to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Where last week we learned Michael Douglas will be cast as Hank Pym in um, Ant-Man. First, is anyone here really excited about Ant-Man? No. 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 Not, Not at, at all. all. Give, me, give me some Ant-Man polynomics. Matt. Excitement... Two, expectation, seven. You expect it to blow your mind. Is a seven a mind-blowing well, experience? I guess not. Over that's, that's no Thor the Dark World. It's no eight. <laughs> no, I think you gave it a nine. I think you, you gave psycho. it a thirteen. <laughs> uh, the no, legend I, of Thor the Dark World grows. Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd is basically great in everything that he's in. I I really like the casting choice for Ant-Man, especially if they go in the more humorous direction of like the Kirkman series that came out about ten years ago. Or and, um, the Iron Man 3 direction, Banana Peels and Cream Pots. Well, walk, that, walk, that's appropriate for this character if they kind of go that style that he was in the book. 
I expect them to. Because it's appropriate for Scott Lang, the character yeah, Paul Rudd's playing. Right. And and I expect them to go that way because of the casting decision and the character that they're featuring. Um, yeah, I'm not excited about it. I can very patiently wait. If I had to wait 20 years, hey, whatever. That's cool. Ian Polonomics. But I think it'll be good. Uh, I'm going to go... Excitement four, expectation five. I don't think that it's going to be. I don't. I don't expect the way that I feel about Ant Man to change the way that I did whenever I saw the original Thor movie, and it completely flipped my opinion on a hero that I had been lukewarm on for my entire life. I don't feel that that's going to happen. I think we might get a good movie. I don't really care all that much. It doesn't hurt, though, that Marvel gave you really good Thor right when the movie came out. So you have the movie, and then you have really awesome comics to supplement that. Ant-Man, you're probably not going to get the same kind of comic book experience as you will in the movie. True. And that was one movie where I saw Thor the movie, and I was like, man, you know, maybe they're doing something cool. They had the JMS run that was going on at that same time. Uh, I, I got into that, bought a whole bunch of them on Comixology, really enjoyed that story. And it kept going into the new Marvel Now stuff with Jason Aaron. It seems like there are a myriad of Marvel characters that they could make a movie about before either Ant-Man, yeah. Hank Pym, or Scott Lang. The only... The only experience I have with either one of those characters, I have never read a book with Scott Lang in it. If I have, I didn't know who that was or what he was doing. Do you have interest in checking it out? My excitement is a three. My expectation is a five. I expect to be entertained. I think it's going to be a quality movie. I just don't think it's going to change you know, the dynamic of how I feel about the character. This would be like... In a lot of ways, not a, I'm not using this parallel just because of power set, but this would be like if they made the Adam movie. Would you be excited about that? No, I was I was just thinking that like the the Adam is a supporting character. The Adam's a guy. The Adam's a reserve Justice League member that you bring in for specialized situations. If you need someone to get into someone's bloodstream, you call in Ray Palmer or Ryan Choi or whatever ethnic Adam that they're using these days. <laughs> but, like, you know, I, I've never read Scott Lang. The only Hank Pym I know is the ultimate Hank Pym, who was a super douchebag. They should have did that and made a super dark movie where he's just beating the piss out of, out of uh, Wasp. So if, if, if you look at it, if you take Michael Douglas at his age, clearly when he was in his prime... As Hank Pym, it was back in sixties, seventies. So he's gonna be. Or whoa, would it whoa, be whoa. like? How old do you think he is? Wouldn't it be like Michael the eighties? Yeah, it would be the eighties, dude. You're thinking Kirk Douglas, I think. <laughs> yeah, Michael Douglas was in. What was that Romancing the Stone in the eighties? I guess and... so. All right, all right, eighties, sixties. Let me add twenty years to him. I, uh, Don't get me wrong. I mean, it is 2014, and he's old as shit now. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe you're not so far off. 
Did you say 60s and 70s, though? Did you said 60s and 60s 70s. Maybe 70s and I 80s. was thinking late 60s, 70s. Okay. I don't know. I guess... I don't know. I guess Romancing the Stone was early 80s. I guess that would be... That would be his prime. That's what I think. He was... Uh, who was he in that, that movie with? Kathleen Turner. <clears throat> was that really Kathleen Turner? Mm-hmm. She, she was, was sexy in All that right. movie. All right. So, Michael Douglas... As Hank Pym had his Man prime in the eighties, yes. But now he's grizzled old science guy. Mm-hmm. Can you assume that he was the douchebag that we know and love throughout his entire career? And now is he will he be having a turn of heart now? Like, what's his relationship with Scott Lang gonna be? I don't know. I'm not that excited about it. We don't care. <laughs> We don't, don't care. Don't care. But when, when That's a really bad sign for a comic book movie when dorks that have a podcast every week are like, oh, I don't give a shit. But when the time comes, when this movie does finally come out, we probably will give a shit. Our excitement will probably go up one or two notches. When Unless the, the trailers come out and it sucks balls. But, you know, assuming that this kind of goes the normal course of events for comic book movies you know my two is probably going to become a four before everything's said and done this is next year and we haven't seen anything from this movie yet like we know paul rudd michael douglas we haven't seen anything i'm surprised you don't hate the shit out of it and we, we, and we saw what the, what the helmet looks like so we don't know anything we don't know anything. we don't know anything. but we know more about man of steel 2 yeah, I'll give you that. Well, you know what? No, I won't give you that because we don't know if it's Man of Steel too. We don't even know if it's Batman, Superman, or Superman Batman. All right, we. I think. I think we. I think we can infer more about Henry Cavill's next DC Comics movie than we can about Ant Man. Yeah, because there's an entire movie. That's a, a you know this is a sequel that we're talking about. Ant Man's is its own. Production. I don't even know who's directing it. It's uh, it's Edgar Wright. How do you not it? know that? He's been trying to get this movie going for like ten years. You know what? I don't even know who Edgar Wright is. Shaun so of the Dead. Oh, well, I don't give a shit. That's a pretty. This is a pretty inspired uh, movie making team between Paul Rudd and Mister Edgar Wright. See, I'm, it, not, it, I'm not but, feeling Paul Rudd. I hope <clears throat> Paul Rudd gives me a little something different than what I've seen from Paul Rudd in the last. Years, which has been really good stuff, but it's been Paul Rudd starring as funny Paul Rudd. Yeah. Like, well, what do you think they're going to do here then? Do you think they're going to go away from that? So, forgetting Sarah Marshall, forgetting Sarah Marshall, he played Paul Rudd. He did a little bit. He played Paul Rudd in "I Love You, Man." Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forget it. He was like the beach bum guy. He was teaching him how to surf. He was a little Paul Ruddish. But you look yeah. at This is 40, Wanderlust, the movie with Tina Fey. Uh, you know, he's I've been, never, I haven't seen any of those. Even um, 40-Year-Old Virgin. Like, Paul Rudd's been Paul Rudd. Anchorman, a little bit different. A lot different. Little Role models. Different. Role models, Paul, Paul, Paul Rudd. But I'd like, if, he, if I think Ant-Man needs to have what, a little What Paul more, Rudd do you want him to get back to? I don't... I didn't say the Paul I Rudd get, and Clueless. I didn't say I want him to get back to one. I just want him to give... Like, I want Ant-Man to be a little more serious. I understand. I don't want Ant-Man to be, to be 
The Dark Knight. I don't want Ant-Man to be Shaun of the Ant-Man. But it is! I That's who's behind it! I don't, yeah, but I, like, Edgar Wright is capable of doing other things. He doesn't need to make a comedy with Ant-Man. Like, it's it gonna, but, that's, but that's exactly why Marvel Studios brought him in. They want that aesthetic to Reboot. this movie. I, remember, I don't remember much about it, but I remember reading the Robert Kirkman series. I can lend it to you if you have any interest in it. Uh, I think it has art by Phil Hester. But anyway... It, that sounds kind of good. It, I like Phil Hester. It is very humorous. It, it doesn't take itself seriously. It's going to be a comedy. I mean, an action comedy. It, I, it'll, it'll be Iron Man 3. I would prefer it to be... <laughs> Iron Man 3, because for as many banana peels and cream pies as there were in that movie, it was still kind of a serious movie. I don't want it to be straight up, you know, Anchorman 3 starring Ant-Man. Is that the next Anchorman? The the trailer for Ant-Man should be Paul Rudd walking and then a gigantic banana peel falls on him. I'd go see that movie in a second. I don't want... Paul Rudd to be walking and then look up and see gigantic Michael Douglas's balls. <laughs> That's not what I want from this movie. You don't? I don't <laughs> want that. Small Michael Douglas balls. And I think like, like, if you're bringing in Michael Douglas as Hank Pym, like, he carries some weight to him. Isn't yeah. that kind of a contrast to the Paul Rudd we know and love? If you're not going to have Paul Rudd bring a little more maybe, serious, though. maybe Paul Rudd is going to go a little more ser- straight lay serious. I don't. I mean, I don't really see that happening. But who knows? You know, who cares? We don't care. Why are we talking about this? Because <laughs> that's what we did. We just established we don't. We care. talked about it for a bit. We said we didn't care, and then we continued for another ten minutes. This is about the most how we didn't care. I have ever talked about Ant Man? Ever seriously. We've been doing this for a year now. Have we ever said Ant-Man on this show? I'm pretty sure this is the first time in 40 episodes I've said Scott Lang. (laughs) I don't even think I've said the words Scott and Lang separate from each other (laughs) in 40 episodes. (laughs) So, yeah, folks, go see the Ant-Man movie that we're super excited about. What else do you have on that list? We can jump back to... DC and their TV slate. They were they had Amazon in production for a little bit. They were talking about getting that going. That is officially dead. Amazon was supposed to be Smallville for Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman growing up on Themyscira, I'm sure making it to Man's World at some point. Whatever was going on with that series, it's it's done. I was kind of hoping they were going to get that going if they're uh, you know taking the Arrow approach and they seem to be having some luck. In that vein right now. Boy, has Arrow been really good the past couple weeks. Arrow has been really good. The two Barry Allen episodes were were pretty fantastic. And I was really happy with this um, this latest <laughs> one last week. The first one back from the break. I like how they're introducing Deathstroke, the Terminator, as it's pretty really, much the... It's really sad. It is sad. It's good. It's good, though. It's the, Something Matt should be watching. Do you really think I would like it? I'd like no. I'd like to think he would. I don't know. What I about really know. what about television shows do you not enjoy? Too much of a time suck. The the low budgetness of them, the drawn out storylines that that beat around the bush. Arrow doesn't try to go over the top with its 
production value on its on its CG. Yeah, not just that, but even like the cinem like the cinematography, the cinematic kind of fidelity of it versus a feature. Like there, there's an art an artistry that's missing for a TV show. I think it's got a pretty good tone. Um, it has a nice color palette to yeah. all to every one of the episodes. Arrow like a movie that if, Shield does. If there was ever going to be a television show that you liked, I think it would be Arrow. I really do. I like The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> well, this is just like it. And well, you then know you're what? gonna I'm, love Ant Man. And and I'm pretty. I'm a pretty big fan of the Game of Thrones series. I like that. Well, Although Arrow I, has more in common with Game of Thrones than Big Bang Theory. Okay. It has Although, more in common with Game of Thrones than it does S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, I don't watch that, but I've seen the commercials to let me know that that's not worth watching. Yeah, I think you, I think you would be unhappy with S.H.I.E.L.D. I, I enjoy S.H.I.E.L.D., but you know, I don't have that cinematographer's, cinematographer's pedigree that Matt does. So <laughs> I can suffer through some poor production values. Also in TV shows, especially drama shows or action shows, you, you don't get the... I mean, you don't really get it in a whole lot of features anymore, but you don't get that that soundtrack that I love. You know, those anthem kind of march, heavy soundtracks that, that are instantly recognizable. That I will of, take this moment to say I love the Arrow theme. Really? Yeah. Now I want to hear it. It's just kind of noise. <laughs> like the, uh, it like takes the Hans Zimmer a, Batman thing. A page of Hans Zimmer But Whenever we're done, we're done. We'll, we'll look it up. I, I love it. Whenever it kicks on in the beginning, and even when they use it during the show, mm-hmm. I, I, I really dig it. I really like it. But what's nice about Arrow is that he's just the guy with the bow and arrow, so they don't have to worry about like making a guy lift a truck. Or stop a runaway bus, or use heat vision, or any of that stuff that may have fallen flat on Smallville. Right. Well, you or know a show that, like Shield. You know that I'm a big fan of the street level style characters, and you know that sounds like something that I'd be into. Although I'm from an outsider's perspective, I do kind of struggle how it's it's a show that seems to be marketed toward. Homosexual men and or men, or a <laughs> lot of shirtless, in denial, a lot of shirtless, sexy guys well, with a lot of muscles. I think it's marketed. I think that's women, or is that what they're called? That's the female audience that they're going for. Yeah, it, or you? <laughs> Maybe they got me though. Damn it! Are you referring to the full page ads? In DC Comics for the last couple months, what is up with that? Breezed up, ripped, shirtless dude, straight sex. It's like gayer than three hundred. They don't even fuck around. It doesn't even. It doesn't even tell you the character or the actor. It's just shirtless dude, ripped abs, greased up, Arrow Wednesdays, nine p.m. or eight p.m. But I think that it should just say. Break out your lube, Arrow. I think those ads are kind of kind of tongue in cheek from DC, because after the first season, like a lot of jokes were going around. Oh, Stephen Amell's abs—that's all he does. He just takes his shirt off. He's always working out. So I think this was kind of a tongue in cheek response to 
to the first season. It's so over the top, it has to be. Matthew yeah. McConaughey needs to get on that show, doesn't he? He totally does. We watched, Who could he play? We watched the first episode Anybody without of, a fucking shirt. We watched the first episode of True Detective yesterday. How was that? It was really <sighs> good. And he is insanely skinny on that show. There are is that couple, Woody Harrelson and Matthew Yeah, it was McConaughey. really good. If you want cinematography... That's the show you need to watch. It looks good. It looks... Doesn't it, like, talk about serial killers yeah, and shit? it's pretty dark and creepy. I want to see and it. And there's a couple There's a couple scenes where if I didn't know it was him, I don't know if I'd recognize him. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he has the abs you're, you're really looking for right now. That's okay. I think I'd rather see him in the context of that show. But well, Donahue has really had a renaissance these past couple years with the roles that he's chosen and and his quality acting. You know what the first thing I ever saw him in? Texas Actually, Chainsaw Massacre? maybe it's not the first thing, but I had gone back and I had seen his earliest work. I want to say it was Unsolved Mysteries. Really? He played in one of those, like, you know, reenactment things. A dude that, like, goes out um, and starts yelling at, a, at a, like, a pedophile. And, of course, Matthew McConaughey... He's got, like, one of those half shirts that were kind of popular in the 80s, like, on dudes. And, like, it looked like he had, like, short shorts on. And he, like, goes out to stop this pedophile. And he, like, makes him go back to his truck and leave. But the pedophile, like, comes out with a shotgun and shoots Matthew McConaughey and kills him. So I think we're still looking for this pedophile. According to his IMDb, that was his first paying work. Really? Yes, he played Larry Dickens. I didn't know Larry that. Larry Dickens in Unsolved Mysteries. The Dickens, you say? Yeah, my my first experience with Matthew McConaughey was dazed and confused. Yeah, me too. Summer of uh, summer. It must have been '94. We watched a lot of that. Apparently, movie. you guys just aren't as hardcore Matthew McConaughey fans as I am. But I've seen his name right. I think it's McConaughey. 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 Where's the G come into play? I think it's silent. It's silent because it's because McConaughey. 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 A little bit. A little bit. McConaughey. All right. He was in Reign of Fire with Christian Bale. He was kind of cool in that. I went to see that in the in the theaters. I, I did didn't, too. I didn't dislike it. It was all right. I never saw Reign of Fire. So before we, we wrap things up for the evening, Constantine TV series. Are either of you excited about the potential for that? Yeah, I'm excited. I like the uh, I like the film a lot. The travesty film. <laughs> I didn't have all that attachment to the character at that time. Thought the film was good. Maybe it was Keanu Reeves acting. Maybe it was Rachel Weisz's beauty. But I liked uh, the film, so I'm excited about this TV series. Tell me about the series. Who's in it? We don't know anything yet. Just that it's set to they've set the film a pilot. So it has. Does it pertain to the movie at all? We have even. Uh, we don't. We know don't any, even know we that. We don't know any of that. So Ian, we don't know if Arrow is going to lead into Justice League at all yet. I hope not. I'm excited because I like that world. I like supernatural stuff. Yeah. So. But like, I mean, that movie was pretty far removed from the comic book. Um, are we going to get more of what that movie offered, or do you think they're going to go more toward the the comic book? They're going to go more towards the comic book, if I had to guess. I think a lot of hardcore fans didn't really like the movie and wanted to see more of the Constantine 
that they were familiar with in the Hellblazer comic book series. So I think we're going to go more towards that, which will that'll be okay with me. I'll be fine with that. I like that kind of stuff. As I mentioned, supernatural things, demons, heaven, hell. That shit's right up my alley. I'm excited for whatever they do with it. It'll be executive produced by Daniel Cerrone and David Goyer. And Goyer has his mitts all over DC shit. And it's also going to... It's being being um, created for NBC. So it'll have some you know serious money and promotion behind it. Hopefully they won't do the kind of effects that they have on Grimm. Oh, oh you're right. Never mind. Grimm is <laughs> such a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, they, that is uh, a TV show that's a great example of not knowing your limits. We could make better effects than Grimm with this bowl of candy right here. <laughs> oh no, it's a snow-capped monster. Oh, the M&M's demon. You want, Matt, you want bad production values. Go watch a couple episodes of Grimm. Did I, do I want that? Oh my god, it's You it's don't so want that. You'll never watch TV again. <laughs> it's so terrible. My mom loves it. They love Grimm. <laughs> yeah, Tracy really likes Grimm too. Ugh. I don't really know why. But, um. I don't, I don't know why either. I, I, I think a Constantine series could work if they... If they know what their budget is, they don't try to overextend themselves. But I think Supernatural works on a production value level. They don't try to go like outside what they can do. S.H.I.E.L.D. does. Yeah. And sometimes it shows. But NBC could could definitely make a Supernatural-type effect show. So, sure, when it comes on, just like any other comic book-based show, I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Matt, I'm sure since it's not a film, you won't be interested. Well, ordinarily I'm not, but that I don't think that rule applies all the time. Isn't there another show coming out this fall from uh, Warner Brothers? One called Gotham. Gotham. Is, is that going to have... Uh, there, was, there was previously going to focus on a young Jim Gordon. A young Jim Gordon. But now it seems like it's going to focus on a young Bruce Wayne. After listening to the McSauce podcast, the producer said, What are we doing? we got to listen to these guys. Did we say that? Yeah, um, we weren't fully, we weren't on fully board behind with it. it. Because we felt like the villains really wouldn't have any relevance because there was no impetus for them. <clears throat> I.e. Batman. Yeah, who who is Jim Gordon going to fight? Corruption. General police corruption. Litterbugs yeah, and jaywalkers. Who's, who's Batman going to fight when he's 12? Well, yeah, it's stupid. Unless they're making this based on the uh, Kevin Smith-Paul Dini um, brainstorm session from back in November when they had the idea of putting Bruce Wayne in a prep school where, you know, he... Basically encounters all the characters from the comic. And honestly, who's to say they don't change the uh, the age range from twelve to fifteen? Then at that point, I think you can make some interesting villains for Bruce to come up against. Yeah, and the one of the articles said that you'll see the you'll see some of the origins of of your classic Gotham villains. Hopefully, there'll be more classic Gotham villains then. The Z-listers we got on uh, Beware of the Batman, but I like I think if that that show is going to work best 
if they do if they do it like Gotham Central, where it takes place in the present. Batman's Batman. He makes a couple cameos, but it basically focuses on Commissioner Gordon, Bullock, Montoya, you know, taking you know taking on the actual adult villains. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that too. It should be called Gotham PD or you know GCPD or whatever. Right, and give um, Ed Brubaker and Greg Rucka their cut. Yeah, it it has. Let's put it this way. I might be more excited for the Ant-Man movie <laughs> than than this Gotham TV show. I don't care about a 12-year-old Bruce Wayne. I just don't. I don't care about a 15-year-old Bruce Wayne. I want a Bruce Wayne that is almost or is Batman. The show will track Bruce from a child around 12 years old until he puts on the cape in the finale. So, essentially, Gotham is Smallville for Batman. I will not be watching. But if if it's called Gotham, then it's going to take place in Gotham. What do you do about the time between when he was 12 till he put on a cape where he wasn't in the United States for any of that time? We'll just grace over that. And is anyone interested in a show, a drama with a 12-year-old lead? No. I don't think so. No, my excitement for... Uh, my excitement for Gotham is probably a two, which falls under the three that Ant-Man got. I would say a two. I have Constantine. Let's go five. Five is good. I'll go five. Five point five. We don't do points, what? sir. Oh, we no. We round numbers. Oh, no. Well, then I'll go back down to five. Matt, Constantine, go. Three. Television show. This show is... This, this chair is so fucking squeaky. I've like, noticed. Like, I can't fucking move. Every time here. you agree with something... <clears throat> he, this, he, yeah. The slightest move. I can't do anything. Wait, is mine going? No. no. I can't mine? type. I can't take a no. drink of beer. I can't do anything. You can't no. order pizza. That's no. for damn sure. Jesus Christ. Last time. This was it. Last time I ordered subs tonight. Last time you ordered without me recording it. For real. Maybe next time. Well, well, you know what? We'll record it next time, and it'll be smooth sailing. I know. Yeah. It'll be such a yeah, bad listen, podcast. Listen to this, guys. And it's like, I'd like to order some subs. Okay, they'll be there in 15 minutes. Thank you. Bye. Not, uh... Unlike... Lost... How big your subs? <laughs> a lost credit card scenario. I really feel like you should call that poor girl back and apologize. She already committed even, suicide. It's too late. where that was. Falcones, I think. Good old Falcones. Side of uh, side of mobsters with your pizza. Allegedly. So, folks, next week we have the X Men episode. If you have any X Men questions that you would like us to ask, get in touch with us via Twitter or our Facebook page, or ask us in person. Anything left to add, Jim? See you in seven days. X-Men. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Cassell. See you later.